Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Here you have this prophet, and he's got this giftedness, but this is a good reminder for all of us. Spiritual giftedness does not equal spiritual maturity or holiness of life. I don't care how gifted you are. If you're not living right, it doesn't matter that much, right? You could be gifted as all get out, but you need to use that for the Lord. And that's what Balaam was missing. He had this gift, he had this ability, but he didn't use it. He never used it for the Lord. Spoiler alert, he will end up dying at the end of the story. God blesses his children with various gifts. Every good thing that he gives us is meant to demonstrate his love and to be used to draw others to him. But with our free will, we have the opportunity to use those gifts in serving ourselves or serving him. As Pastor James continues our study in the book of Numbers today, he'll challenge us to be purposeful in serving God with our talents. It's going to look different for each of us, but each one of us has an important part to play in growing his kingdom. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 22 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. The Lord comes to the defense of the donkey first and foremost. He's like, hey, what are you beating that donkey for? Like, what are you doing? You've lost your cool, man. You can't be, have that short of a fuse. The donkey didn't do anything wrong. Leave the donkey alone. Why'd you beat your donkey those three times? The angel of the Lord demanded, look, I've come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. In other translations, that, that, there's, a, there's a reference there towards like this, this sinfulness that Balaam has. He's like, you are rebelling against me. I blocked your way because you're not listening to me. Three times the donkey saw me and, and shied away. Otherwise, I, would have certainly, I certainly would have killed you by now and spared the donkey, <laughs> right? This is like, this is crazy, right? Part of that reason we think it's Jesus because he says that you are, you are doing this against me. So no angel would say that. And no angel would be cool with him just staying there face down on the ground before him. He would have been like, no, no, rise up. What are you doing? You don't do that to me. This messenger of the Lord was, didn't, didn't rebuke him at all for being face first in, a, in a, uh, an, a physical attitude of worship, so to speak. He says, you're, you're resisting me, almost like the Apostle Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. He opened his eyes and he sees, he's like, look, dude, he's like, you're lucky, man, because I would have killed you and saved that donkey. He's like, you should be thanking that donkey because he saved your life. That's how much that donkey loved you and cares about you. That's why you should take care of your pets because, man, there could be a godsend, right? And I'm not a big pet guy. You know that, right? If you know me, you know, like, that's, that's not, I'm not opposed to pets. My goodness, I have three of them that live in my house. I've always had pets. But they could be a blessing for sure. And Jesus is telling Balaam, he's like, you should be counting your blessings because that donkey just saved your life. That donkey saved your life because I was going to take you out. And then that's a, that's a whole other thing that we could spend an hour talking about. It says, Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you're against my going. He already knows that God's against his going. So even he still doesn't quite get it. 
The angel of the Lord told Balaam, go with these men, but say only what I tell you to say. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. Then Balak heard that uh, Balaam was, was on the way, and he went out to meet him at the Moabite town, uh, Moabite town on the Arnon River at the furthest border of his land. Didn't I send you an urgent invitation? Why didn't you come right away? Balak asked Balaam, didn't you believe me when I said I would, I would reward you richly? Balaam replied, look, now I have come, but I have no power to say whatever I want, okay? I will, I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. Then Balaam accompanied Balak to Kiriath-Huzoth, where the king sacrificed cattle and sheep and sent portions of the meat to Balaam and the officials who were with him. The next morning, Balaam took uh, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal. From there, he could see some of the people of Israel spread out below him. So they're on a hilltop, and they're overlooking the children of Israel, only some of them. They can't see the, all of them totally. But here you have this prophet, and he's got this giftedness, but this is a good reminder for all of us. Spiritual giftedness does not equal spiritual maturity or holiness of life. I don't care how gifted you are. If you're not living right, doesn't matter that much, right? You could be gifted as all get out, but you need to use that for the Lord. And that's what Balaam was missing. He had this gift, he had this ability, but he didn't use it. He never used it for the Lord. Spoiler alert, he will end up dying at the end of the story, okay? But let's keep going because the story flows really fast, right? Balaam said to the king Balak, build me seven altars here and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for me to sacrifice. Balak followed his instructions and the two of them sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, stand here by your burnt offerings, and I will go see if the Lord will respond to me. Then I will tell you whatever he reveals to me. So Balaam went alone to uh, the top of a bare hill, and God met with him there. Balaam said to him, I prepared seven altars and have sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. The Lord gave Balaam a message for King Balak. He said, go back to Balak and give him my message. So Balaam returned, found the king, standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. And this was the message Balaam delivered. All right. So the summary of this, this little message is he, he, he can't curse Israel. It says, Balak summoned me to go to Aram. Uh, the king of Moab brought me from the eastern hills. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come and announce Israel's doom. But how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom, whom the Lord has not condemned? I see them from the cliff tops. I watch them from the hills. I see a people who live by themselves, set apart from other nations. Who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as the dust? Who can count even a fourth of Israel's people? Let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like theirs. Then King Balak demanded of Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you here to curse my enemies and said you have blessed them. But Balaam replied, I will speak only the message the Lord gives me or puts in my mouth. His last line there, they'll let my, let my life in like theirs. This is a good little reminder for us. There are many who want the death of the righteous, but they don't want the life of the righteous. Live the life of the righteous. Then you can expect the death of the righteous, which means what? Sleep. Sleep. Okay? That's what Balaam is, he, he's saying. But he makes this, this pronouncement upon the, he, this blessing upon the nation of Israel. He's like, I can only say what God tells me to say. Balaam gets mad at him. So he's like, all right, look, uh, let's up the ante a little bit here. Let's, let's do this again. Let, try, try it again. Maybe, maybe this time God will let you curse his people, right? 
So there's two guys in here don't, that don't really understand what's going on. That's Balak and Balaam. So verse 13, Balak told him, come with me to another place. Maybe this place, maybe the geography is not right, right? We need a better view. Let's get a better view, and then you can curse these people, <laughs> okay? There you will see another part of the nation of Israel, but not all of them. Curse at least that many. So Balak to, Bala, or Balak to Balaam to the plateau of Zophim uh, on Pisgah Peak. He built seven altars there, offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. They did the same thing again. Then Balaam said to the king, stand here by your burnt offerings while I go over there to meet with the Lord. And the Lord met Balaam again, gave him a message. And then he said, go to Balak, give him my message. So Balaam returned, found the king standing beside the burnt offering with all the officials of Moab. What did the Lord say? Balak asked eagerly, right? He's hoping like, okay, maybe, maybe that group of people weren't the bad ones, but maybe this group of Israelites, they're the bad ones, okay? Maybe they deserve to be cursed. All right. So what did he say? This is the message Balaam delivered. Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I received a command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune in his plan uh, for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel. For the Lord their God is with them. He has been proclaimed their king. God brought them out of Egypt. For them, he is as strong as a wild ox. We'll come back to that word in a second. No curse can touch Jacob. No magic has any power against Israel. For now it will be said of Jacob, what wonders God has done for Israel. These people rise up like a lioness and a majestic lion rousing itself. They refuse to rest until they have feasted on prey, drinking the blood of the slaughtered. Balak says to Balaam, fine, but if you won't curse them, at least don't bless them. He's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. stop talking. Like, okay, look, clearly you're not going to curse them because all of that was just a blessing on Israel. Uh, wild ox, the Hebrew word for that, um, is sometimes translated unicorn, which is really weird. So there's a lot of commentators who are like, maybe a rhinoceros or maybe it's a unicorn. I don't know. Unicorns are real. They can't be real. I, that's the Hebrew word. It's not wild ox. It's, it actually is like unicorn is the word that they use sometimes. So some animal with one horn on its head. Is it a unicorn? Is it not? It doesn't really matter, but it's kind of fun to think about, right? You're like, oh, this is, wow, that's interesting. So if you've ever heard somebody say like, doesn't the Bible say mention a unicorn in the Bible? You're like, yeah, it actually does. Numbers, chapter 23. Um, it does. Technically, it says that. So there you go. There's a little fun, fun trivia for you right there. Um, there's a magical horse that flies around. Now, that's a Pegasus, I think. Um, this is just an ant. Maybe a horse at this time had a horn on its head. Uh, maybe over time that thing fell off or wasn't necessary. I don't know. But some animal is very strong and is referenced here in this blessing from Balaam onto Israel, which is just crazy. It's wild. There's a lot of cool stuff in your Bibles that um, I would recommend you just go into a deep dive on some of this stuff. Yeah, Leviathan and, and some of that. Read the book of Job. It's an amazing book, and it references these animals that we think we know what it's talking about, but it's, we're probably wrong. Um, there's, this world is so big, and we've, we've explored maybe, what, less than 5% of the ocean? Um, so I'm not saying there's sea creatures out there, but I'm saying there's sea creatures out there. Um, there's, there's probably is. Uh, Anyways, we won't get off into any some of this other stuff of Bigfoots and all that. But um, afterwards, you want to talk to me about that? We can. Um, 
But here you go. Favorite verse now, unicorns. All right, let's move on. Um, Says Balaam replied to Balak, didn't I tell you that I can only do what the Lord tells me? King Balak said to Balaam, come, I will take you to one more place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them from there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of Mount Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam again told Balak, build me seven altars and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for me to sacrifice. So Balak did as Balaam ordered and offered a young bull and a, and a ram on each altar. Just so you understand, there's a financial toll that is happening here. Like this is costing this king a lot of money, okay, in the price of like livestock. Because now you've got like seven, seven rams and, and seven young bulls. That's, you know, that's multiplied now by three, Okay, so he's losing a lot by trying to curse God's people when if he just would have listened at the beginning, he's like, I can't curse these people. You would have saved yourself a lot of money and time. Balaam is like, he's just, all right, I'll do what you tell me because I know at the end of this, you're going to cut me a nice check. Whether I'm successful or not, you still owe me money is what he thinks. 24. All right. Balaam realized now... It says, by now, Balaam realized that the Lord was determined to bless Israel. Really? How many, how many animals had to die before you, you finally woke up and he's like, I think God's not going to let me curse these guys. You're like, duh. Dude, talking donkey? Like, what? That should have been the first thing. I mean, the first was you prayed and God actually spoke to you. But that wasn't enough. Then you had the talking donkey. And now this is, this is strike three. And Balaam finally comes to the realization of like, I think God's trying to tell me something. Yeah, he has been. He says, so he didn't resort to divination as before. So there is an indication with that, that he was trying to invoke some sort of divination into this. He actually maybe was trying to curse them, but he physically and literally couldn't curse them. But the indication there is that he was trying to. So flat out rebellion against God. God said, Okay, look, if you're going to go with them, then you go with them, but you can only bless my people. But what we see within this is that there was an element inside of him that was willing to curse God's people, even though God said, don't do it. But he was not able to. So he didn't resort to it, his, his practices that he's used to. It says, instead, he turned and looked toward the wilderness. There he saw the people of Israel camped tribe by tribe. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and this is the message he delivered. Once he stopped and knocked it off with the divination stuff, divination, the Spirit of God came upon him. Fascinating. This is a Gentile. This, is, this, is not a, this isn't a Jewish guy. There are other people throughout the scriptures that we see where the Spirit of God, of, of God comes upon them, and they're not worthwhile people. They're not. You got all of Saul's men. And uh, was it 1 Samuel? I think it was 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel. I think it was 1 Samuel. Yeah, it's 1 Samuel. And the, the Spirit of God came upon all Saul's men, his soldiers, and some more of his soldiers. And they're like, what is going on here? This isn't right. The Spirit of God comes upon Balaam, but it is interesting that that's directly connected to the fact that he gave up these wicked practices. He stopped with the wickedness, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Seems like a good pattern. Seems like it's worthwhile for us to follow. Stop with the wickedness, let the Spirit of God come upon you and use you. He, this is his, his third message here. This, message, uh, this is the message of Balaam, son of Beor, the message of the man whose eyes clear, see clearly, the message of one who hears the words of God 
who sees a vision from the Almighty, who bows down with eyes wide open. How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob. How lovely are your homes, O Israel. They spread before me like palm groves, like gardens by the riverside. They are all like tall trees planted by the Lord, like cedars between the, beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets. Their offspring have all they need. Their king will be greater than Agag, whom they defeated. Their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt. For them, he is as strong as a wild ox. There's that word again. He devours all the nations that oppose him, breaking their bones in pieces, shooting them with arrows. Like a lion, Israel crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to arouse her? Blessed is everyone who blesses you, O Israel, and cursed is everyone who curses you. That's a good little verse, too, for us. Peace of Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. But here, this is like his, his third little message, and this is really a curse on Balak. So Balak hears this. He's like, wait a minute. I, wait, I think you're talking about me, <laughs> right? Like that last part, was that about me? Yeah, that was about you. Note his, his response. King Balak flew into a rage against Balaam. He angrily clapped his hands and shouted, I called you to curse my enemies. He's like, I called you to curse my enemies. He's like losing it, right? I called you to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed them three times. Would, did you not remember that last part of that little prophecy thing? He just, he just spewed out there like, you know, blesses everyone who blesses you and curses everyone who curses you. He says, now get out of here. Go back home. I promise to reward you richly, but the Lord has kept you from your reward. You get no money. You get nothing. Now you go home. It could have been right, part of the reason why God was like, hey, don't go. You're chasing the money. There's not going to be any money for you. God already knew the end from the beginning. So God was probably letting him know, like, hey, don't waste your time. What you think you're going to get, you're not going to get. What you think is at the end of that road is not going to be there. It's not going to be there. He should have listened to God, because had he stayed home, longer. Had he stayed home, he would have lived a lot longer. But because he followed his heart, it ends in destruction for Balaam. It ended in destruction for him. Balaam tells, uh, tells Balak in verse 12, don't you remember what I told your messengers? I said, even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of God. I told you that I could say only what the Lord says. Now I'm returning to my own people. But first, let me tell you what the Israelites will do to your people in the future. And here's one last little prophecy thing for him. This is the message Balaam delivered. This is the message of Balaam, son of Beor, the message of the man whose eyes see clearly, the message of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from, mo from the Most High. He sees a vision from the Almighty who bows down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. This is about the Messiah. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the heads of Moab's people, cracking the skulls of the people of, of Sheath. Edom will be taken over, and Seir, its enemies, will be conquered, while Israel marches on in triumph. A ruler will rise in Jacob who would destroy the survivors of Ur. Then Balaam looked over toward the people of Amalek and delivered this message. Amalek was the greatest nation, greatest of nations, but it's Destiny is destruction. 
He looked over toward the Kenites and delivered this message. Your home is secure. Your nest is, is set in the rocks, but the Kenites will be destroyed when Assyria takes you captive. Balaam concluded his messages by saying, alas, who can survive unless God has willed it? Ships will come from the coast of Cyprus. They will oppress Assyria and afflict Eber, but they too will be utterly destroyed. Then Balaam left and returned home, and Balak went on his way. What's, what's fascinating is that uh, a little bit later in Numbers, it gives us a, one last piece of advice that Balaam gives to Balak. And in fact, it's in Numbers 31, verse 8, it says, all five of the Midianite kings, Evi, that's how you say it, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba, died in the battle. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. So he ends up dying, okay? But before his death, he gives these guys a little advice. I can't curse the Israelites, but I can tell you how to take them out. I can't curse them. God won't let me curse them, but I, I can give you some wisdom on how to take them out. In uh, verse 16 of, of uh, Numbers 31, it says, these are the very ones who followed Balaam's advice and caused the people of Israel to rebel against God at Mount Peor. They are the ones who caused the plague to strike the Lord's people. So what was his, his advice to them? Sexual immorality. This is how you get them. This is how you get them. Send your ladies into their camp. Win over their men. And then cause those guys to go into this false idolatry. This is how you bring down the nation. Sexual immorality. I can't curse them, but I can tell you how to get them. And that is exactly what happens, because we will see later on as we continue through the book of Numbers, they follow that advice, and thousands of, thousands of people die as a result of that. And that would be a, a, constant, um, a constant temptation for Israel throughout, in the promised land and all that stuff. Was, uh, that was one element of it, but it was a major element for, for the nation of Israel. So there's Balaam, he's got a talking donkey, and uh, God speaks to him, and God shows him stuff. I mean, we have a prophecy of the Messiah. That was one of the last things that he had said there in, in chapter 24. I mean, he, he saw, like, he literally, if that was a pre-incarnate Jesus, he saw Jesus, and then he saw him as, like, ruling and smashing all these nations. He should have stayed home. He should have listened to God. He, 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 he followed his heart. That, that, was, the, that was the thing. He, he went with his heart. His heart said, think of the riches. Think of the riches. And he went with that. And God's like, don't do it. Okay, look, if, if you're set on going, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to you give, you know, give you over to your desires. But it's not going to end well. But it's not going to end well. He didn't listen to God. He, he, he didn't listen to God. He went on with it. And even in the rebellion and even in going against what God said, he had to do what God told him to do. There was no way around it. In the end, it cost him his life. The sad thing about it, what could have been a great man, what could have been a tremendous man, gifted by God, totally, you can't deny it. He had like this ability, this gifting from God, was just wasted, wasted, man. He didn't, he didn't want to listen to the Lord. And like I said, in verse, or chapter 31, he ends up, they end up killing him. They kill him. But before he goes out, his legacy is, we know him as the guy whose donkey talked to him, right? But what we should know of him more so than anything is that he was the one who planted the seed to bring down a nation. And that's the, that's the story of Balaam. Hope 
have been listening to Bread for the Broken, a radio broadcast ministry of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Pastor James Grizzle has been teaching through the Book of Numbers. This is one of many messages found at breadforthebroken.com, so if you missed a portion of it today, we hope that you'll take the time to listen to it in its entirety. The website again is breadforthebroken.com. We understand that your minutes are precious to you, and you have other obligations to fulfill. So why not listen on the go through our Facebook live stream? Or better yet, if you're in Galveston, Texas, on business or vacation, why don't you stop in to see what we're all about? If you enjoy a laid-back feel, then this is the place for you. Come worship Jesus while spending time with other believers at one of our two services, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. We'd love to meet you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Do you ever feel like you want to be a part of something bigger, but you're unsure of how or what that is? Here at Bread for the Broken, we want to help everyone find hope and new life in Jesus Christ. So we're curious if you'd team up with us to reach as many as possible. On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a place for you to donate to this ministry. We simply ask that you pray about it and follow the Lord's leading, whatever that might be. Thanks again for spending part of your day with us today. Tune in again next time to spend time in God's Word with Pastor James Grizzle here on Bread for the Broken.